0: Welcome to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBa. Over the next hour, you'll be introduced to business and local leaders impacting our community. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. Now, the host of Town Talk, Ted Schubel.
1: We're going to talk about cancer treatment in the area this morning. Hematology, Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg in studio. Dr. Chris Vaughn is here along with uh Candace Spittenger who is a uh, nurse practitioner is that that's your your official title Candace <laughs> it's good to have you, it's good to have you back and you you've got a great story that we'll uh, we'll get into as uh, a, as we go along this morning Dr. Vaughn good to see you one of the things we're going to talk about we're not going to talk about it right away but um just just dealing with 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 cancer over the holidays can be can be a challenge for people not only with their family but also I'm sure just I'm sure you notice things and in, in, in try internally in the office, whether outwardly or you, whether you intentionally do it or
2: not, just to try to keep people's spirits up this time of year. Yeah, Ted, good morning again, um, glad to be back. Um, you're right, That is, it is a very challenging time of year um, to um, practice oncology. I think um, sometimes, uh, unfortunately, um, there could be some bad news given over the holidays. Um, it is something that I try when, when I, you know, talk to my patients and families, really um, try to, to motivate positively, give some, yeah. some, some good, good energy to the situation. Sometimes I will also, um, you know, sometimes I sort of delay some testing if needed to maybe post-holidays if it's really not going to be that, you know, deal-breaking. I'm, I may uh, shift things to the, the new year, so, um, so we may not be dealing with, with some, some bad news and allow families... Uh, to be together, because at, at the end of the day, that's a very important part of the process of of uh, uh, of, of patients, you know, going through the treatment plan yeah. is the support uh, of the family, and so it's. Um, I think having that still positive connection during the holiday times is very important for their well being.
1: We'll get into some. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about this as we as as we go along this morning. But I just thought since it's, since it's the holidays, it's something that I'm sure that, it, and like you said, that you, you you have to deal with and you and, and you think of, and we'll. Uh,
2: it's, uh, yes, it's it's always in the back of my mind, you know, the time of season sometimes when we're ordering tests and, and yeah. images. Um, we, um, you know, I, I think our staff does a great job over the holidays. We really um, decorate the office, um, you know, all kind of food <laughs> for patients. Um, yeah. So we, we do a good job to create, again, a positive uh, and, and um, enlightening atmosphere for everyone. So we, we try our best to keep everyone's spirits up because it is – Sometimes patients need and families need a little bit of, of some energy and, and some push through through the holidays.
1: Yeah, I'm, Candace, I'm sure in, in your sense too, as, as as you work with families, it's 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 the same kind of thing. You want to you, you want to be realistic about what's happening, but also be mindful of the holidays and and, and trying to make it not totally a downer if you can.
3: Sure. Uh, you know, we try to work with patients too, um, even with scheduling things. You know, if they have treatments just before the holiday or after the holiday, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll, you know, move them out so that they aren't feeling as, you know, as bad maybe from their treatment. Um, so they can have, you know, s- feel at their best, like to get through the holidays and things and have have good time instead of um, any, you know, side effects and things from treatment. So we have those abilities to kind of move things around for them. Um, and then we also do, you um, every year around this time, we do a patient appreciation day. So we do that twice a year. But uh, the second one typically falls around Christmas time. So uh, we do baskets and um, like we'll staff will bring in um, gifts and things and we fill these baskets like huge gift baskets um, and we raffle those off for patients. We have uh, vendors and people donating time and donating, um, you know, things and um, patients can, you know, come in. Anybody that's a patient of ours or family member of a patient of ours um, is welcome. There's food and there's just all kinds of things, music, um, different things for patients to do, you know, throughout the entire day. And I think that this year is on the 12th of December.
1: Okay, that'll be next week. So that, that that that'll get there. I I remember when when I was just coming off of treatment when I when I was finishing treatment over there with 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 you guys, and I remember over the holidays. I was finished with treatment, but I didn't have nearly the energy to do things. I had thought, well, I could do, I can do this, and I can do this now. And when you're in treatment, w- w- no matter what stage, you may not be able to do as much as you, as, as you want to. And you got to remember about getting enough rest too.
2: It is, yeah, it's important. I think um, to because <laughs> some patients think once they're done with treatment, they're back to their their baseline prior to starting. But it takes it takes some time. Um, it's also uh, as as uh, Candice was saying, I think it's. Our, our office and this kind of patient, patient appreciation day is such a, uh, a nice time for even previous patients to come back and um, show their support. It's kind of a, a family atmosphere, mm-hmm. not just the staff, but, um, but it's patients, it's everyone. It's just really the community comes together. Um, and you're right, Ted, I think it is, it is challenging um, when you're kind of going through this time period of the holidays when you're tired, fatigued. It just takes, we let patients know it takes some time to get back it can give you a break on your on your shopping though. So if you're not a big shopper, yeah. you can get it's it it's an excuse. So. It's, yeah, you know if what? You need, some patients need a medical note so they don't have to go and shop. So oh, that's! A, <laughs> I wish I had taken advantage yes, of that. I, I
1: and, and and I remember Candace with in, in my own case. I'm when over the holidays, and I felt like I, I, I was tired, but the, but not looking back. I remember months later looking back at pictures from the holidays and looking at how I looked then and then few months later, and I looked really bad, and I didn't realize it. You, you looked at pictures, and you would look at my you, you just eyes and color and all, and I thought, th- th- there is, you, you do have to be realistic on some things.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, it, we try to approach that very sensitively, I guess. You know, patients know, um, regardless of whether they are speaking it out, they know what, um, their prognosis is, you know, we, we guide them along the way. Of course, we, uh, try to also provide, you know, hope and things, um, yeah. especially around this time. But I think patients ultimately know, um, you know, some of them may not have another Christmas. And so I think our, our job is to try to just, um, encourage them and make them feel as well as they can and, sure. you know, help them have uh, if it is their, you know, potentially their last Christmas to have uh, the best that they can, and um, we try to incorporate as much as we can, we try to incorporate uh, families in the care yeah. um, and everybody, you know, in decisions that we make, um, and probably even more so around uh, times like the holidays.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a tough time when you're when when, when you're dealing with all of this, and. Uh, knowing you were gonna come in today, I thought we need to we'll we'll spend a little time talking about it. We'll we'll come back to this as we go along this morning too. Hematology Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg in this morning. Quick break. We'll be back on News Talk twelve thirty. WFVA.
0: Welcome back to Town Talk on News Talk 1230. You can weigh in about today's topic on Facebook at WFVA 1230 and by text at 540-371-5756. Here's your host, Ted Schubel.
1: It is a Hematology Oncology Associates in this morning. Hematology Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg, -Fredericksburg HOAFredericksburg.com. For, uh, for information also a great Facebook page that will keep you updated dr. Chris Vaughn is here along with Kelly Stevens and Candace Bittinger. Kelly and uh, Candace you you both are nurse practitioners correct Well, I know you are Candace okay so. <laughs> yeah. um, welcome Kelly I didn't get a chance to to, to welcome you uh, you earlier a little bit about how you got to where you're what what you're doing now is this was uh, Kelly was this something how'd you get into be, becoming a nurse practitioner
4: oh um, I'd been a nurse for quite some time, um, and actually, I was tired of the bedside. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you know, just the hours at the hospital. So I wanted more flexibility in my schedule. So, anyways, that's how I ended up going into the NP role. But I started out as a hospitalist at uh, Mary Washington at Stafford Hospital, and then I ended up with uh, Dr. Vaughn's group.
1: So, well, there's there's a, there's one question. What, so, what, what how how do you describe a, a nurse practitioner? What's the difference? What is a nurse practitioner either one of you
3: <laughs> um, I would say it is um, a role that is uh, has come about um i would say primarily because of um Fewer and fewer physicians going into medicine, uh, right. and more and more patient population. Meaning, we're keeping patients alive longer, and um, you know the population's constantly growing. So I think that need uh, had to be filled somewhere. So uh, nurse practitioners and PAs um, sort of developed out of that need, um, and have you know the profession has really grown probably in the last ten years, I would say, um, in utilization. Uh, and I think it's primarily to function as an extension of the physician, so we can do similar things under the guidance of the physician and um, alongside the physician, so that they can essentially spread themselves th- thinner, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, so that they can cover the needs of the of the patients in the community. Um, we can diagnose things. We can uh, prescribe medications to treat things. Um, certainly in oncology, we require a lot of, um, you know, collaboration with our physician because it's a very um, niche, like very specialty field with constant uh, changes and very, um, I would say, complicated patients for the most part. Um, So I think we're there to kind of uh, help the doctor manage patients. Um, We work closely as a team, basically, with nurses, with our medical assistants, with our office staff, um, everybody kind of working together as a team to care for each individual patient.
1: How did you get involved? In, in all of this? What's your story?
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I graduated nursing school. I, w- I kind of did every level. Um, I was a, an LPN first um, at age 18. <laughs> and then I went to school to be a registered nurse. And then I got my bachelor's after that. And I kind of just carried on. Um, so it's been 20, 21 years um, in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Um, I, eight years ago, I guess, is when um, I became a nurse practitioner. And prior to that, I had worked in um, – Lots of different fields, mostly cardiology, interventional radiology um, and ICU nursing. Uh, But I did come to HOAF because I have a good friend there and she was like, you have a day off during the week, you should come over here and work uh, while I was still a nurse. So on my day off, I came over and I was doing um, chemo infusions and I just kind of fell in love with the patients and the practice. And um, so when I graduated, that's what I chose to do.
1: Just talking about your background and then getting into uh, into the, the, the hematology-oncology side, I guess, I mean, th- that is different. It's, yeah. it's much different.
3: Total flip. Yeah. <laughs> Total flip from, like, acute care ICU um, to oncology. It's, it's polar opposites almost. But um, oncology is a thing that you don't realize you have a uh, calling for until you realize you have a calling for it. Um, you have to be exposed to it. And then you either, this is too much for me, or you just fall in love with it. And I think that's where I just fell in love with oncology, the patients, the um, the environment. You get to really develop a relationship with your patients. Yeah. You get to walk through them through probably one of the most difficult things that they ever do in their life. Um, and you get to support them and help them in whatever way you can. Um, success stories obviously and sad stories but um i i think there's a way to find happiness in even the sad stories because you've helped that person um along that that journey so um yeah i think that's why i chose oncology
1: (laughs) Uh,
4: how, how, how about you kelly so i same thing with me i've been in the nursing field medical field for probably around 20 maybe a little over 21 years um and um I was working as a hospitalist, and I have a family member that actually works for HOF, and same thing. It's a great place to work. He should come over here. So I did, and um, I've been with them about two and a half years now. I'm only on the hospital side, so I don't see a lot of the good stories like the office does. I see sometimes some of the sad stories, and I may not see the outcomes of some of the other stories, um, but it's a very special experience for me because i get to handhold some of the patients and their families through mm-hmm. the difficult times um, and like uh candace said either love it or you don't but i think sometimes um helping those patients through their sickest moments and some of their most difficult times is very special and it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to do that for them
1: as you've talked and i and, and i just and i relive when when i started cancer treatment there i I didn't realize that, that you would get to know the staff and, and even Dr. Vaughn the way that I did. Just be—I'd not been sick a lot, and to me, you went to the doctor and you went home, or you—you know—you went back for a follow-up. But there really relationships did develop, and I, I never—I never expected that.
0: Right?
4: Yeah, I always tell patients in the hospital, um, you don't want to see me because it means you're here. But I have developed some really good relationships, unfortunately, with patients that are there all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's at least they see a familiar face and they, a lot of times will ask where I'm at or, you know, when's Kelly going to be in? Cause they know mm-hmm. at some point I'm going to come see them. And um, I have developed some really wonderful relationships and bonds with some of our
1: patients. Mm-hmm. No, just the, the just the I mean in my case just the infusion side when certain people weren't there I would wonder where are they mm-hmm. you know and it would be well, they're off today mm-hmm. and you know you'd be just like you know you you, you do you, it's 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 a much different I think it's situation
3: it's practice wide honestly like I mean I have patients that you know make create relationships with the front desk, you know, right. with the patient accounts department with, you know, they have people will give, you know, the schedulers will give patients their personal extensions, like call me if you need anything. I'll make sure mm-hmm. I can get your, this, you know, need to the right person and, and kind of facilitating that. So um, I think that's a really neat thing about our practice is from the moment they walk in the door, like every person is a family member. Right.
4: Right. Yeah, I think, and Candace could probably vouch for this, too, because we both worked hospital and with many different types of physicians based on our experiences, and I will have to say, for me, um, the physicians we work with honestly have a deep regard and care for their patients, and that's what inspires me to work so hard for them, because they inspire me to want to work at their quality of care and their level because they truly do care Mm -hmm. and i have not worked with a group of physicians i don't know about candace but i have not worked with a group of physicians that have been as caring as these physicians
3: are yeah i'll agree 100 Mm -hmm. well it's it's
1: such a tough time in life and i mean mean, dr vaughn i mean i know that, that you have to i mean that that's the kind of place i know that you've Tried to create.
2: Yeah, it's uh, as we've talked before. It's it's the culture of Hope. Um, it comes from you know top the physicians, the nurse practitioners, the front staff. Everyone sort of embodies this um, uh, patient centric kind of atmosphere, and and we do everything for the patient, and their families, um, and <clears throat> just to echo, I th- I think um, the value that our nurse practitioners provide and our um, the physician assistants provide is is um, it's it, it can't be replaced. Um, we, I think 2010 was our first time we had a nurse practitioner. I think Danielle was our first. And um, their role in our practice has grown. It's made our practice what it is, is our, our nurse practitioners and physician assistants. Um, they have such a good relationship with the patients, um, sometimes patients, are even sometimes more comfortable talking with them about certain things. Mm-hmm. They, um, You know, uh, uh, Candace and Kelly see the patients, you know, all – What's happened, it's allowed us as physicians to practice, I think, in a more efficient way, but also in a safer way. We're seeing patients on every cycle of treatment. Um, we're handling side effects much better. Um, we're knowing when to change treatments, when to maybe say it's time to step back and become less intense on treatments. Um, um, it's... Uh, I. I, I Talk to our other physicians, and I mean, I think the these these gals here, are like the engine engine that runs the practice, they really <clears> are. And um, I don't know if I could ever go back to a place where we didn't have you guys. <laughs> I mean, it um, it's uh, it's really a part of the growth of of Hope has been um, has been our, our nurse practitioners. But
1: and, because you, I guess you get you to you you get to know patients and if a person is experienced, like you, you mentioned side effects, and if 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 you see that something seems to be either more intense or they're complaining more than they should, is that those those are the kinds of things you're able to look at and say, maybe we, we, we should adjust or, or maybe there's something we can do?
3: Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, like supportive medications, things like that, that can help with side effects. But sometimes, yeah, if it's not manageable or if it's making, you know, patients feel worse than they should, there's you know, things you can do with dosing and, and different things. Obviously, um, you know, we, we all kind of work together. The nurses pick up on a lot of that, too, like mm-hmm. during the infusion times. Like, they're an extra set of eyes, so they're uh, very helpful in saying, hey, you know, last week when I saw her, she was feeling this way, and then this week there's a big change, you know, weight loss or what have you. And, um, and yeah, we can adjust dosing based on that or um, even maybe an indication for additional testing to see if there's something else going on, um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
4: And I don't think patients may realize the collaboration that goes on. Um, I know, especially in the hospital setting, you know, the doctors and I will, and I'm sure when Candace is working in the hospital, we all sit down and we'll talk about the patients, kind of our plan of care for each patient. We'll work with the cancer navigators. You know, it's a lot of talking going on behind the scenes to make sure what we're doing for the patient is in their best interest.
1: I did not realize there was that kind of collaboration. Mm -hmm. I figured it was either, it was the doctor and... It was the doctor. No um, idea that, that there was. Yeah, that no. Kind we meet.
2: Um, what what has changed? We do have uh, usually one nurse practitioner with a physician, so we have we've created sort of a team environment. So um, so there's continuity, um, and patients can either see me or see Candace, whoever's you know been my nurse practitioner. Um, and we talk each week. We have a meeting where we talk about each patient, particularly patients that may be you know having a hard time. Mm-hmm. How can we adjust things? Um, is this you know or something we're going to need to maybe address earlier than later? Um, so we go through um, go through a lot of the you know test results on patients. And so we meet every week on mm-hmm. our patients so we're prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and that collaboration and it's not only myself and the nurse practitioner. It's the medical assistants. It's the nurses. So um, mm-hmm. so we we talk about all of our patients. Um, each week. Yeah, and I think that collaboration is critical. So there's always the same yeah. It's always important to have the same message, I mm-hmm. think, for, for each patient. Um, and I think I think our patients appreciate that and understand mm-hmm. how much how much time and effort we, we commit.
4: Yeah, in the hospital settings, every morning, every day, we talk every because they're so higher acuity and they're sicker. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. we we'll take a quick break and, and come back. I want to talk to you, um, some more, Kelly, about what you do with the hospital and how that that works. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure, I mean, you're kind of living in a in a couple of worlds. Yeah. By by doing that, Doctor Chris Vaughn is here, Kelly Stevens is here, and uh, Candace Bittinger from Hematology Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg, HOA Fredericksburg dot com. More on News Talk twelve thirty.
0: WFVA it's almost eight thirty From the Today online news studios this is News Talk 1230 WFVA Fredericksburg a centennial broadcasting station focused on Fredericksburg this is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform and now here's your host Ted Schubel
1: Hematology and Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg in this morning. HOAFredericksburg.com, the website. They're over there by uh, Fredericksburg Academy, 4501 Empire Court. You also have a – you've got offices on Empire a couple of offices now, and then in Stafford too. Isn't that that correct?
2: We do. We have one right next door um, to – now, as we've talked before, it's almost like a – golf resort we have the lodge we yes. have <laughs> the pines which is our next door office we because of our um just our you know I, the the demand of our services the the growth in the community um we just didn't have enough office and exam space in our main building so we were able to um move next door um so we have two physicians actually three physicians who have set up shop there mainly okay so it's been uh, and we keep it's the, the same um tests everything's done the same um that we have certain actually i think we do have our um uh linda who's one of our nurse practitioners she runs our uh of care and supportive clinic um so her, her practice is over there um but but it's it's the same you know same same things happen at the lodge happen at the pines we also have the office at stafford for patients who live further north um so we keep uh, everything the same everyone gets the same um same level of care you know, and that's been it's it's been one of our, our outreaches is to try to make sure we can extend our practice to as many people in the area as we can and offer the same excellent service.
1: Doctor Chris Vaughn is here. Uh, Kelly Stevens is here, a a a nurse practitioner, and you mentioned uh you mentioned about in the in the in the last segment about working in the hospital. So how does that work?
4: Um I do not go to the office. I only round, I assist the physicians at Mary Washington hospital um, with rounding because that's one of our busiest locations, mm-hmm. it's the main hospital. Um, and Candace will also does some days there as well. But um, we see a lot of the acute issues related to chemotherapy and the immunotherapies, the treatments that patients are on. Yeah. Um, sometimes people have progression of disease. So we'll see just their, them coming in because of a decline in their condition. We also see a lot of hematology type patients, you know, blood clots and um, different um, blood disorders. So we see a lot of everything, but it's always the acute issues that are there. Um, we don't really. We have some chemos that we'll do there, but for the most part, those are usually done in the outpatient setting. Um, so usually, what we're it's at what's at the hospital is the sick of the sickest patients.
1: Mm-hmm. So I guess you're then you're working with them and you're also then coordinating with their with their doctors back at the office exactly
4: we do a lot of um coordination to for those that are maybe a little sicker that may we may want to kind of get the input of the office doc that they see but pretty much the doctor that's there helps run the patient load that's at the hospital unless there's any questions regarding a certain case that might be a little more difficult or challenging um, we also do a lot of goals of care conversations at the hospital for unfortunately those that you know need those end of life discussions.
1: In, in the, when you are in those in in those discussions, and I guess when you talk about uh, some of the patients who are more serious at the hospital, you're you're dealing with both, I guess, the patient and the family. Exactly. A, a lot more, I guess. Mm-hmm.
4: Exactly, and it's you're not just caring for the patient; you're caring for the family. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's it's a lot of hand holding because that's a really difficult conversation to have, and it's it's um surreal for a lot of people cuz even though they know they're sick they it, you don't anticipate getting to that point in your life where you have to make that final decision for end of life mm-hmm.
1: you don't think it's when when you get into nursing I and mean, you know that that you you know but i guess until you when until you actually experience and start going through it how how difficult that ha- that has to be mm-hmm. when when you do have those those patients in those situations i
4: have found for me at least um I like being able to participate in those conversations. For me, it's like a spiritual type experience. I feel that um, I get to share something um, with the family and the patients, and be a, a support and a rock for them in a moment that is extremely difficult for them. Um, so I, I like to be able to be there for them and be accessible. Even after we've had conversations, I always tell them, if you need us to come back, we're here for you and your family. So you know, it's our care doesn't stop just because the treatments have stopped you know we continue to be there for our patients and their families even after the patients have passed away the The Mm-mm. office is still accessible
1: well and, and I found in my in, in my own case a, a year ago when when my father died it was the one nurse in particular who was you looked back and, and, and she she told us exactly what was going to happen when it was going to happen some others would be really vague about things and she would say this is normal this is going to happen next and, and you really appreciate that
4: mm-hmm. yeah and that's something i think i really like about our practices we try to be very upfront and honest as much as we can with what we know with the families because you have to be able to prepare them for what's to come and i think families and and not just families, but the patients appreciate that. It's hard to hear, but I think people rather know than have this false sense of hope that yeah. may not be there.
1: In the in the nurse practitioner world, Candace, do you, I guess to to become a nurse practitioner, I mean you obviously become a nurse first. Do do people Especially when we, we, we talked earlier about how there are many more nurse practitioners and how the, the, the field has, has, kind of, has, has kind of changed. Do people now decide, I want to be a nurse practitioner and, and go for that? Or do you generally start out, you become a nurse and then like you two talked about your progression of, of wanting to do more?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there probably are some people that have the goal of being a nurse practitioner in mind. I mean, I think the more successful people probably get a good nursing background, uh, before going back to school to become a nurse practitioner, just because uh, the model of teaching is a little bit different. So PA is probably a little different. Those the people that want to go straight into it probably should take that route. Yeah. Um, just because the teaching model is a little different, nursing teaching model, um, you kind of get your basis during your nursing school, so that's your foundation, and then bedside practice is really where you develop skills in assessment and things like that, uh, putting you know pieces of the puzzle together, so to speak. Um, so having a good strong nursing background, whether that be one year, five years, you know, is dependent upon each person. Um, but I do think it's important to work as a nurse for a time <laughs> um, yeah. before or during pursuing that advanced degree, um, just to have kind of the best. Uh, basis of knowledge, I guess, um, to pull from, you know, in your in the new role because it is a different role. It's a, it's a transitional period there where it's very hard to get from a nursing role where you're reliant on physician orders and direction into a provider role where you're now the person giving the direction <laughs> and writing the orders. Um, so that transition is pretty tough. And if you don't have a strong, solid background, I think it's harder to make that leap.
1: When well, I'm impressed and just hearing you all talk, I mean, knowing what you have to do to, to to become a nurse and then to make that jump, I mean, there's a there's a big time commitment and an education commitment uh, mm-hmm. to to do this. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Yeah. So it's a it, from. A- a bachelor's degree, it's a master's degree for a nurse practitioner, or in Kelly's case, a doctorate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you can take it as far as you as you want to, um, as far as education goes. But, um, but yeah, I think the solid nursing background is the key to success. In, yeah, in you the have role. to have bedside
4: experience. I, I feel yeah, you need really not just to have the experience with clinical experience, but also to learn to work with others on the floors. I believe that's how yeah, I think you learn the respect of everyone's roles doing that.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and one thing just to highlight, <clears throat> Ted, is not only just becoming a nurse practitioner, but then becoming a nurse practitioner in oncology is in itself different. Mm-hmm. And one model that I've seen just grow and develop is the more experienced nurse practitioners we have just kind of help teach and mold the younger ones. Um, and so there's so, such a collegial environment between our nurse practitioners and physician assistants that, um, I mean, they're just continuing to grow and develop. You know leaps and bounds but um you know definitely the the background nursing experience that helps and then as you keep the building blocks right keep going but um they're so helpful in teaching our younger ones you know the skills of oncology because it is a complex field
1: yeah i never even thought of that that that's you 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 add that whole thing to it Mm
2: -hmm. yeah we have and i think candace is sort of our lead on the on our sort of our um right sort of as we kind of onboard, yeah. onboard training, maybe a new um, you know, a nurse practitioner coming into the practice. So we've been very good over the last two or three years kind of having a regimented sort of these are, you know, are what we expect as far as the training, you know, 12 to 16 weeks before yeah. you know, we feel that because you know, we want our patients to be comfortable, someone coming in, understanding our practice, understanding the techniques that, that we provide.
3: Yeah, that is one tricky thing, I think, too, with the patients, because, again, like we've talked about developing these relationships with patients. So as we have uh, shifting or new people coming in, sometimes they are a little bit leery of new faces. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a, a nuanced <laughs> area to try to transition to say, OK, this person is now going to be taking care of you. Um, and watching that relationship develop is also, um, you know, interesting. Um, I think we have a really good group of of advanced practice providers, Um, we've gotten some newer people, and then we have some people that are really coming into their own. I mean, I think in the field of oncology, I always say it takes at least a year in practice before you're starting to feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. and then it changes rapidly. I mean, uh, my roles have changed throughout the years at HOF um, into different roles. I've worked with different doctors. I've worked in uh, more acute care, uh, like clinic setting, um, and now back to working with a doctor again, and then sometime in the hospital, um, and... What we did eight years ago when I started for certain types of cancer as frontline therapy, when I came back in and started doing, like, teaching and things, again, vastly different for a lot of different cancers just because of the advancements in, um, you know, the new things and new ways we're treating um, certain types of cancer. So that's, honestly, I've it's been so interesting watching that all, like, transpire <laughs> just with molecular testing and different things that, when I first came, we were doing period like here and there with certain patients Uh, and now it's like across the board everyone's getting Mm. these uh, molecular profiling and uh, tumor testing and all these things that are like dictating care that just wasn't even happening just eight years ago when I came which is to me remarkable and I always share it with the patients and it's always like a tangent as I'm going off like because it's to me unbelievable you know working in my previously you know cardiology ICU like things aren't they're they're very complex patients, but things aren't ever changing. You know, we may yeah. get new antibiotics here and there, but it's not like every day there's a new antibiotic that we're treating. You know, we're still using all the same things we used 50 years ago. So, um, the, an EKG, I always tell me my husband like an EKG is an EKG is an EKG. Like it's going to tell you the same thing now as it tells you in 10 years. We may be more specific with the testing, but it's going to mean the same thing. Whereas. Oncology is just this field of, like, ever-changing. We're finding new mutations and different things and targeted treatments. And it's just crazy to think, like, honestly, it blows my mind every day how, primarily, how the physicians keep up with this stuff, you know? I've been in a situation where I've been in a teaching, you know, an education visit with a patient, teaching them about their... Proposed treatment, and the doctor comes in and says, Actually, we're going to do this. Like, this just got approved yesterday, you know, from the FDA, and this is a better treatment. So, we like totally shift gears, and that's honestly like it's really cool. And um, it's really challenging, but it's just like the, I think the best part about it is like coming up, you know, patients that maybe don't have any further lines of treatment, but we see something that's in testing that's promising, and then we're able to get that. You know, approved based on the testing that's in progress mm-hmm. for this patient. And and then it works for that patient. And it's just like a, a really cool thing to watch. So,
1: we talk about that, but to hear that, that's a, that's a, yeah. what a fascinating story. Yeah.
2: And, and another important role that our, um, our APPs provide is they actually are responsible for the, you know, we, we have a, a, a meeting, you know, when we, as a physician, we devise a plan for the patient and the family. Um, it's sort of a chemotherapy education session. But a lot of the teaching for the patients and the families, is provided by our app so um so yeah as candace was 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 stating they they have to be so updated as well as physicians because they're the ones kind of preparing the patient for this treatment it could be a you know new molecular target agent it could be immunotherapy but all these are all these new advanced treatments are amazing but they do have they do bring their own side effect profile a little Mm -hmm. bit different so we have to constantly keep updated on on what the you know what what's the end goal of the treatments and but also you know what what side effects can they can they have and our our, uh, our apps are, are right in the middle of that cuz they're they're the ones responsible for the education <laughs> sessions and have to answer to the families and the patients of what to expect so this has been one of the great shows to to,
1: to illustrate because we heard so much during the pandemic about how you know nurses were the were, were really the, the, the frontline heroes and as we talk about this, just in the, in, in the uh, in in a cancer setting, and you've talked about this a, a lot, hmm. Dr. Vaughn. But to have them here and talking about it, and you you really see it. It's 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 very apparent that, that that what you're doing is so important to the to the patient and the families, and the and helping the doctors.
2: Oh, it's a yeah, it's a team. It's not just the physician. It's it's um, and in fact, that's what we label ourselves to just like the cnv team like my team right mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's not just the doc um, for for me to practice well i need everyone and our um, apps are so vital to uh the positive vibe in the in the outcomes of our patients in the office it allows us to um have good flow allows us to be in touch proactive with the patients um it allows better relate we have great relationships with patients and families mainly because they're seeing us a lot you know and um, yeah. we're communicating with them a lot and it doesn't always have to be the physician, you know, but they know if, if Candice calls, you know, um, then that's a message from the team. We're all talking about the, our patients, and they're always, in the, they're always in the front of our mind. To well, know. just the fact and you mentioned just about getting together and talking about
1: patients every week, that, that, yeah. that, there, that there is that dynamic that's always going. You're not, you're
2: not going through this by yourself or alone. If you've got something, that they, they likely are. And, and no, I've seen it. Exactly. And our, and our patients are comfortable, you know, so as uh, Kelly was mentioning, we um, as physicians, we take a week and it's, sometimes it's my week rounding in the hospital, but that means I'm not in the office. But my, you know, Candice may be there seeing a patient of mine and, and our patients know, and they're comfortable with that, that even if I'm not there, they know that they're, that I am there, I guess, because yeah. they're seeing it's us, you know, we're constantly, um, you know, we're connected as, as a practice. And that's, what's actually one of the more rewarding things I think about HOF is just our connectivity amongst, um, everyone in the office. And, um, and I think our patients see that. And I I think that's, that's who we are. And while we're still here and still still thriving and providing great, great yeah. oncology care in the community. Yep, thankfully. Dr.
1: Chris Vaughn here, Kelly Stevens here, Candace Bittinger here from Hematology Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg. One final break, and we'll uh, conclude this morning on News Talk 1230
0: WFVA. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Download the all new News Talk 1230 WFVA app for Apple and Android. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540 371 5756. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel.
1: Hematology Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg here this morning. HOAFredericksburg.com if you want more information. One of the things to, and we could do a whole show on this and i think we have in some sense but real quick dr vaughn if, if if someone is diagnosed and they want to check out
2: hematology oncology associates they they can ask to do that or they can they can do that right oh we're available um I, I tell patients if um just always um you know they can google us the website um hopefully most um we've we have such good relationships with, uh you know uh providers in the area, yeah. uh, whether it be a, a surgical provider like breast cancer or, or lung cancer or primary care physicians that, um, that hopefully just, uh, they they will, um, you know, keep us in mind. Um, I think we've we've demonstrated that over the, at least my 15 years and even before me, just the level of care that, that HOF provides. So um, I always want, you know, people coming into the area uh, to, to know HOF and, and what we're about. Um, I think we... Um, as I said, I, I think our our practice stands stands alone.
1: couple of quick loose ends. Um, Kelly, it was mentioned that you have a doctorate.
4: I'm almost. <laughs> May. I'll be done with my
1: doctorate. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, if you hey. come in after May, we would have to refer to you as doctor. Yeah. Right. Oh, I and know, know, yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and, and psychiatry,
2: right?
4: I got my psychiatric uh, nurse practitioner certificate as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, talk about adding, you know, when I just oh. kind of talked about the added education, yeah. you know, yeah. good for you.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. She helps that. our mental health in the office. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and it does benefit me on the hospital side, especially with those end-of-life conversations and even right. with cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, because yeah. you're just, I mean, I know myself. I mean, it's a deer in the headlight kind of thing of you can't believe what you're hearing. Right. And to have it's someone.
4: Surreal. It's a
1: surreal feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other loose end, and this was a conversation that was that, that was off here. Candace Bittinger, you're good at Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh Medical Jeopardy. Medical Jeopardy. That's <laughs> so. Yeah. Doctor Vaughn was uh, studying to recertify for his with his boards, and he was uh, every I think Friday we would meet. So he would th- he would give us um, the day before maybe um, some board questions, and then all the APPs would meet at lunchtime, and he would. Uh, quiz us on and i guess tally up our correct answers friendly competition
2: we we love that internal competition <laughs> yeah. amongst the apps it can get it's it's a sight to see
1: Oh, I'm sure that there's yeah. a lot. I mean, you all, you know, you two have come, across. you know, as we've talked this morning, you've been very sweet and, you know, ex- yeah. you know but underneath there, I think there's, <sighs> you know, right. get, get each get of Janet our doctors going. kind Janet. of approaches yeah.
3: teaching in a different way. So we try to incorporate, that's one of the things we do try to do with uh, all of our APPs is incorporate uh, lunch and learns so doctors can pick a topic or we can pick a topic for them and then they present it in whatever way uh, they want to, so we uh, like encourage learning you know from their perspective so that's kind of been a really neat thing too
2: it is it is actually for me it's a a very enjoyable to be able to to just do these lunch and learns teaching sessions with our app's again it keeps the collegiality keeps again just us being being comfortable with each other knowing how we practice because some of the physicians may be different how they do certain things but allows us always to again be connected with everyone
1: well, good stuff, and I, th- I think one of the things too is with you two, and we didn't we didn't talk about this, and for another time, we can just just about about a patient being honest about the way things are going and not try to hide anything from from you two. And I, I guess as advanced practice providers, you can notice a lot of things, but uh, not to hide things, and that can be another topic for for another time. Thank you all for for, for what you do. This has been a this has been a great show and a great uh, just just an illustration of. Uh, all the things that go on and that, that you have to deal with. Candace Bittinger here, uh, Kelly Stevens, and Dr. Chris Vaughn from Hematology-Oncology Associates of Fredericksburg, HOAFredericksburg.com. They're at 4501 Empire Court over by uh, Fredericksburg Academy in Fredericksburg. Thank you both. Merry Christmas, and um, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Good holidays. That is it. Thank you for listening. We will see you in the morning.